1: All times are Easter. On Saturday, July 29th, 2023, I said goodbye to my family, to my friends, and the place I had called home for 38 years. Thus began my new life halfway across the world. And I welcome you all to join me on my brand new journey. I welcome you all to my brand new life. Welcome to Duckamuck in Japan. <laughs> certain and wenches, welcome to episode one of Duck Amuck in Japan, episode one, migration season. It has been two months since I've been behind the mic, and now that I am currently settled into my new surroundings here in the land of the rising sun, I think I can attempt to get back to recording once more. But for this very first episode of Duck Amuck in Japan, I am not alone. I feel like for a pilot show for our first episode, I need a good round of guests. And what better guests to have than some of my closest friends? First and foremost, I have one of my oldest friends in the whole group from <laughs> the old No Borders of Race and my con buddy Elite Four Derek. Bonichiwa, bastards and wenches. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry for
0: your line; I felt it was very appropriate.
1: <laughs> yes, and then we have one of the former hosts of Wicked Anime and the creator of the Solarian Sun webcomic AFLM. Hello. And we have also the former Wicked Anime co-host and current fellow teacher, John Star.
2: That's me. I'm playing Tetris.
1: Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh wait! You're playing Tetris as we're recording, as, as we speak, I'm dropping some this? blocks. No,
2: no, no new PBs yet.
1: Longer Tetris. So, with today's episode, migration season, I figured I would talk about what my basically my first few weeks of Japan have been like, and. I figured first, before I begin, I'd like to open up the floor to any questions from my friends here. Uh, What day of the week is it there? Right now, it's Saturday.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I still can't get my mind around that. You are in the future, and yet you can't tell me the lottery answers. (sighs) The oldest joke in the book. Uh,
2: (laughs) Evan did wish us a happy birthday before it was actually our birthday this year, but to him, it was our birthday. To us, we still had to wait a little while.
1: Yeah, I gave you an extra 13 hours of your birthday. You are welcome. Okay. <laughs> That's right.
0: I mean, that could account for labor. Okay.
2: <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, you are not the first one to do that because I got a whole other crew south in the south of Japan, so they also wish me a happy birthday way too early. Right. Well, I was the first for Evan, so... I had a question about, uh, like, actually... For teaching, I didn't know if you wanted to save the teaching questions for later. If we want to do this like chronologically, or
1: if we're even allowed to ask about your job or anything like that, what what are what are the rules there? I think the only thing that I cannot reveal is the location of where I am teaching, the actual school that I am teaching at, because you know I want mm. to have some sort of privacy in that aspect.
2: Yeah, got it. That's, What's that's your social security, security number? I have
1: the
0: whole addresses of all the teachers.
2: Yeah, no, I, I just really wanted to know, like, you know, you know, the the classroom setting. What's it like? What's it like to teach in a Japanese classroom? As as you being a bakagaijin, and you know, like all of these these new experiences that you're seeing as a teacher, but especially in a place where you don't fluently speak the language.
1: Right. So you know, with I, it is true that I'm not I I. <laughs> and despite everybody telling me every time I speak Japanese, oh, nihongo jōsu. No, no. Jōsu jenaiō. Jōsu jenaiō. I only know, you know, some words and phrases. And sometimes it's one of those things where, like, it just comes into my brain and realize, oh, I actually know the right thing to say. But nice. when All it right. comes to the teaching, uh, how it's set up is so... As you know, teachers go from homeroom to homeroom to homeroom. Most of the students don't uh, traverse to different classrooms like they do in America. Uh, Mm. But for the English classes, it's kind of split 50-50. So like one half of the class will be staying for the English lessons. And then the other half will be going to some other class, maybe something like uh, physical education or maybe like one of the other electives that they hold at the school.
0: Is that because you need less teachers per student? I would say you need to have less students per teacher in order to
1: teach English over there. I would say yes, because, you know, the more students you have, the more of a chance of a classroom being a little bit, I don't want to say chaotic, but it can be very challenging when you are um, trying to teach more than 20 kids at once. Hmm. I think John Starr can attest to that.
2: Uh, well, I mean, like uh, a typical American classroom has anywhere between, you know, 24 to 30 students in it at a time. So, yeah, it can be quite overwhelming. And, and overwhelming is certainly a word that can be used in that situation.
1: Absolutely, and what? But one of the nice things is that I have an assistant, a co-teacher with me at all times, who speaks oh. native Japanese. So I will give the lesson, and then there will be points where they will then start like uh, telling the directions in Japanese, just in case.
2: Oh, okay. And does this teacher speak well enough English to communicate with you on a regular basis?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. She is very fluent. Both of the teachers I work with are very fluent. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so basically... I, know, uh, I had a uh, French class of about
0: 30 people with one teacher, so it was inevitable that about 20 to 30% of us just never learned French. We were just messing around in the back room the whole time because oh that's one of the things that you need that like focus on. Otherwise, it's... Uh,
2: Tell it to you? What? <laughs> yeah, it sounds insane. It,
1: it it can be very challenging when you only have one teacher in the classroom, especially when it comes to language classes. I feel like if you have at least two people, or in some cases I might actually go into another uh, one of my fellow other English teachers, help them out with with a class and have it be a group of three. Like what having just one teacher teaching a language is extremely challenging but the more heads you have the better it is for not just the teacher but also the student
2: yeah i was um i was actually going to ask that exact question that you just answered was um was do you have other jet uh, jet students or jet participants in the same school as you.
1: So I have one, but he has been at the school for a couple of years already, so no new faces. Um, I've had one of the teachers was once a Jet, and now works there part-time at the school. And then I have another person who was a Jet in the countryside, but then managed to get a job working in Tokyo, and has been um, teaching at this school for about I don't know almost a decade now.
2: Mm. Wow! Um,
1: so okay. yeah, I, I have a pretty good crew of um, of English teachers and um, teachers who are both fluent in Japanese and English as well.
0: All right. Okay. I will so, say, while you're
1: there look for an
0: organization called Benny because
1: they actually seek out
0: these students and try or these teachers and try to help them out. Um, it's referred to colloquially as the Benny and the Jets program.
3: But,
2: <laughs> <sighs> I, I like that one. That was okay. good. All right.
1: <laughs> All right I'll give that to you, Derek. I'll give that to you, Derek. Yes.
2: Um, I, I actually would like a little bit of story time if you would indulge us. Walk us through that first day of like, I'm about to start my job for the first time, and like I, I'm, get, I'm waking up in the morning, or rather, you know, we'll do a first person. You're waking up in the morning, and what is your start from the moment you wake up in your apartment that day to when you leave in that afternoon, or that evening?
1: Okay, um, I could actually do two stories in this aspect. So I could do the first teaching story, and I could tell you about my first actual day. Yeah, sure. So my first actual day was on September 1st, but there were no uh, classes that day. What was going on that day was um, opening ceremonies. And Hmm. I participated in both the junior high and the high school opening ceremonies. And what normally goes on is, you know, both schools are separated. One happens... Like 9 a.m. and the other one happens at 10 a.m. And the first thing that happens is all the students have to stand up and they all sing the school song, like the the official school song of this particular school that I'm working at. Yeah. And, and then as that is going on, um, you know, I'm standing there. I'm listening to the song. I'm, they have a Big bore with the lyrics in it. I'm trying to follow along. There are it's it's mostly in kanji, but there are parts that are in hiragana and katakana. So I kind of try to jump in during those periods because I can at least read those parts. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then after that, everyone kind of sits back down. The principal gives a speech, um, and then after that, I was brought up. Oh jeez. And... for both times, I first introduced myself in Japanese, and for some reason the kids laughed when I did this. I don't know if they were laughing because maybe the way I speak Japanese sounds funny, or they were laughing because they were not expecting me to speak Japanese in the introduction. Yeah, well, if I I had had to
2: guess... (laughs)
1: Well, because isn't isn't that
2: a thing, though, right? Is, you know, laughter comes out as a my brain can't comprehend what's happening. So it makes a funny noise and spasms that come out of my mouth. Like and and so they were probably confused. that it's like, oh, this white guy is speaking Japanese. That's wild. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Uh, I've been
0: sitting here watching a bunch of videos of this white person who surprises native speaking Chinese people. By like going up pretending he doesn't speak English, and then taking a phone call and he's speaking fluent Cantonese, and uh, like, oh but, yeah, that guy can that guy can speak like, know, fourteen languages. That, like, yeah, uh,
2: but who knows? Maybe I don't know. Maybe you pronounced it funny, but uh, I mean, I, I feel like most for mo, they, like, well, I don't know. It's 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 hard to say because Jap- Japan is such a homogenous culture that they don't experience foreigners in general too often, but they don't experience foreigners that speak Japanese too often. Like here in America, you, you experience a bunch of different cultures, try attempting to speak English and then they sound funny, but we don't find that to be weird because that's normal to us that we hear somebody speak English with an accent. But in Japan,
0: in a, in a a... accent, (laughs) what, unless it's a foreigner trying to do a Texas accent. Sure. Like,
2: yeah, (laughs) <laughs> but, but you know what I mean Like mm. It's It's uh, It's the whole idea Of Of like Oh I'm, I'm so used to hearing You know Japanese people Speaking Japanese That Maybe You know This This This, right. this and, English person you know, Speaking Japanese Sounds so funny So I don't know
0: We're getting and hung up on it Anyway continue is, So It's probably The fact that we just have Everyone over here And they They are pretty much 90-something percent Japanese over there. So they don't yeah. actually get to see what it's like to have, you know, a yeah, foreigner cultural, hom- cultural homogeny. Exactly.
1: Right. Um, so then I gave my speech in English. I spoke very slowly, just in case. And everyone actually stood up and applauded afterwards. So I guess I did a good job.
2: Nice. Yeah. I mean, you have, you have to assume that they understand at least some English already if mm-hmm. they're at the high school level and middle school I guess but more high school level that they would understand more of it. Yeah. Um because I mean when I was over when I went over to Japan there was this high school kid who I was walking into Super Potato mm. and and he just started speaking to me in English like like he turned to me and was just like are you from America? I was like, "Yeah, I am." He's like, "Wow, what's it like over there?" It was like he was so bold about it. I was like, "Oh, I didn't, ex- I didn't expect this, but I'll, I'll talk to you all, I, all you want." So they have to understand a lot of English at some, some level, you know.
1: Yeah, uh, that actually happened to me. Um, not, not a high school kid, but probably someone who was at a college age or someone who was adult. I was at the Starbucks in Shibuya, and I just sat next down next to this guy, and he just started speaking English to me out of the blue, and we just, just chatted for like. Almost an hour about my culture, my love for the music scene over there, and we wound up just exchanging uh, Twitter accounts. I refuse to call X. Um, (laughs) We've just been like exchanging like different music and such since then.
2: That's pretty wild.
1: Yeah, Uh, but going back to the school day, uh, my normal school day. So, so the very first day, I wake up at six in the morning. Uh, you know, I get up, wash my face, put on my deodorant, have my breakfast, do my morning Japanese lessons, and then head on out. I grab the nearest subway, go all the way from there to my school, and I just sit down at my desk, print up the material that I need for today's, for that day's classes, and then I just dive right into it. Hmm. So the very first day that I actually did classes, I shared it with another teacher. So it was his classroom and my classroom all at once. And that resulted in like having 40 students in one classroom at one time. (laughs) For this, it was my way of getting a good feel of what to expect when I do this on my own. And it gave me the opportunity to watch, observe these students, see how they act and react pick out the ones who are kind of the class clowns, who are the ones who are not taking things so seriously, which ones are to be blunt, kind of the smart asses of the class. Sure. And it was a good like, first class to really get a good feel of what I am supposed to do when it comes time to teach. And then after that, I began my normal uh, schedule. So I taught... Three classes back-to-back. So this was the second year, so these were the eighth graders. Majority of them were great. Uh, There were maybe like one or two troublesome students there. But I somehow managed to get them to calm down with the assistance of my assistant. Um, And then after that, I had a good 40-50 minute lunch break. And then had my two other classes. As the day went on, I noticed that the more calmer the students were as the day progressed is. As the day progressed. Oh, well, it's
2: here? like a opposite in America.
1: Yeah, which is weird because, like, I know that the more the school day goes on, the more restless the student gets. But here, right. I feel like maybe it's because they've been crammed filled with knowledge for the day that they kind of were... Too tired to create a ruckus? Mm-hmm. Question. Did you say
0: 14 to 15 minute lunch break? 40 to 50. Oh my god. Okay, thank you. I was about to say, they really only give you a 15 minute lunch break and then no. that's it. No, 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 okay. no, Very good.
2: Well, I did also want to ask, too, how long each lesson does. Because you say you did five lessons in a day. Is that...
1: for? Well, for this one... From Mon, for Mondays I do six lessons. Tuesdays okay. I do five lessons. I don't teach at all on Wednesday, so I use that as a day to like either uh, help out other teachers or help grade papers. Use the time to learn Japanese, or even actually do my um, review work. You know, my manga and anime review work at that time. Oh snap. And then on Thursdays I have one class, and Friday I have two classes. And again, I use that time to either help out other teachers or work on other things outside of the school.
2: Heck yeah! Make yourself uh, valuable, like known. You know, and you exactly. want to stick around. Um. Yeah. So, so how long is a class that you teach?
1: So each class goes for about fifty minutes, and the way it's okay. set up is, you know, you start with the good mornings. Um, and I then I dive into what I call the icebreaker. I write out a question. I have the students take one or two minutes to write down their answer, and I have each student stand up and present their answer to me. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's 20 minutes of what's known as fast talking. These are English sentence drills where we have the students um, practicing English and practicing the questions, practicing the answers. And even, like, testing them out on myself and my other uh, assistant who was with me. And then, after that, we dive into the main part of the lesson. Which, right now, we are focusing on the have-you-evers, which is, like, have you ever done this? Have you ever done that? Have you ever seen this? Have you ever seen that? And that's going to be, like, the main focus of this semester. And then, for the rest of the class, it's... Doing more drills like that, more um, more practice between the students and the teachers, and then after that, it's just a goodbye. See you next week, and then it's off to the next class. So is
0: this like a model that like Jet puts into place, or are you allowed to like put any of your own kind of personal flavor into the lessons? Like, is there anything that like you do specifically, or
3: is it
1: all? JET so the, support. In- actually, no, nothing related to JET. So the criteria was actually created by one of the other teachers there. Uh, the one that's okay. been around for almost, for well over a decade. He had he created this great book, this great workbook that everybody follows. And I follow that to almost a T. The only thing that I've added is the icebreaker aspect. I had a feeling. <laughs> That's great. So the year twos are great. Year one, I, it, it's so funny to see how much of a difference 7th uh, and 8th graders can be. Like, we don't notice it when we are at that age, as, as these kids are, but there is a big difference between the 7th and the 8th graders. There is a little bit more rowdiness when it comes to the 7th graders than there is with the 8th graders.
2: Oh yeah, for sure.
1: Um, so it took a little bit more time for me to get the students to, like, settle down. Especially because one of the classes that I'm teaching is immediately after, um, P.E. for one of them. Mm -hmm. So, they're still got that adrenaline going through them. Yeah,
2: Yeah, and it probably smells.
1: Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the thing. So, this is so I can't reveal the school, but I will say that this is an all boys school. Okay. So, oh, oh, so sure with they it being,
0: start, they need deodorant too.
1: I'm saying this because, you know, when there are girls around, and I say it from our own experiences when there are women around, we tend to behave differently, we tend to not be, you know, as crazy around girls like we are when we are just around the guys. So there's a different there's definitely a um, a change in how one's personality is when you're just surrounded by other dudes. And they are absolutely like they're they're, they're doing they're telling jokes that they shouldn't be telling in front of girls. They are they're like kind of roughhousing the way that they should not be doing well they shouldn't be doing in general but they wouldn't be doing this in front of other women and it's kind of funny because like the only women that they see in the class are like the teachers and one of the teachers that helps me out um she is the same height as most of these students so (laughs) it's it's kind of funny because they they keep telling her that she's pretty and everything because they have I, I don't know maybe it's because that they because she's the same height that they oh it's like another middle schooler is uh, is teaching me sort of a
3: thing.
0: <laughs> or <laughs> oh this is the only woman that I see
1: that isn't my mother and
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe maybe. But um huh, so also my first day with the year one students was also the first day I got to experience an earthquake. Awesome. Oh, yeah. So there was a a 4.1 earthquake in the Chiba area, and the Tokyo area got a bit of the after... Not the after... Aftershock. Aftershock of it. So, like, I'm in a meeting with the other teachers, and all of a sudden... The building just starts rocking back and forth. And I'm like, the fuck is going yes, on? Yes, they're, they're
0: built to rock back and forth. They know there's going to be earthquakes, so they make it so the building can literally shift back and forth. It'll crack a little bit in between like where they set the you know bricks or whatever. But the whole infrastructure is meant to be able to be a tiny bit flexible in case of earthquakes.
1: Yeah, that is correct, Derek. So this was a law that was the passed thing. back in. The, the this <laughs> was a law that was passed back in the '80s, where like every building that's built from that point has to be able to yeah, survive north, an earthquake. North end, north end of Boston is fucked. <laughs> <laughs> South
0: East probably too. Yeah. Yeah. So like, every oh no! What a shame. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that's grandfathered is going to need a life alert really quick.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing too. Boston has been a, Boston has been due for an earthquake for the last 250 years. Cuz you guys are actually sitting on a plate tectonic over there. You I guys? Mean, what do you mean by you guys? <laughs> I mean I'm not living there anymore, so it's like
2: he's divorced himself from us guys. <laughs> <laughs>
1: if I move to Africa, am i
3: black.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're South African.
0: Oh, yeah. Yep, yeah. yep. 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 Yep.
1: Yep. You're, uh, funny. Yep. Yeah, you're like that director. Uh, what's his name? The guy did district nine, Elon Musk, <laughs> Trevor Noah. <laughs> sure. We'll go with that. And then, um, Actually, yesterday, we also had a bit of a typhoon happen. So we, they had to cancel all school because oh, nice. with um, so apparently when there is heavy rain, with it being a school where majority of people have to commute to it, they will cancel classes because they don't want the safety of the student or the teacher to be uh, jeopardized. Oh, sure. my God. oh, my God.
0: Oh, my God. Are they trying to prevent damage from a Kamehameha wave? Yes, I know Kamehameha. It's a Hawaiian term, but it's the same ocean.
1: (laughs) Where we're at, there's no danger from from waves or anything like that. It's just heavy rains. I was in um, Okinawa
2: when there was a it was like, I think it was like two days that we had a a really good typhoon going. It was fun. It was just like Karate Kid 2.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Um, But the funny thing is, like, it wasn't as bad as people thought it was. It's like when we close school because there's an impending snowstorm, and then we only just get a sprinkle of it. Right. So kind of the same thing happened. Granted, it was heavy rains for, like, the first few hours, but then when, like, noon hit, it was kind of just, eh, I can actually walk in this rain. It's like...
0: the difference between a snow day in New England and a snow day in North Carolina. You know, they get two inches in North Carolina. They call that a snow day. We get three yeah. feet, Massachusetts, and they're still like, um, well, can you try? <laughs>
2: You're still coming to work, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's one of the things that I do like about Japan is that they they actually care about the well-being of their employees. Like, on top of making sure that we're both mentally good and physically good, they also make sure that you're financially good. Like, they actually take care of, of like, my commuter fees. They give me money outside of my salary to pay to fill my PASMO card, my my train card. Pretty nice.
0: Um, yeah, some people might nice. be like, is that communist? But honestly, um. <laughs> We're not going to get into politics here but that sounds like something that I would appreciate from a company
1: <laughs> It's not communism it's not socialism it's just being a decent country <laughs>
2: not even just a, well, it's, it, because I mean that's company that's that's if it's company policy then it's company policy. yeah you know.
0: we'll say the Java Mat right now. I've gotten compensated for transportation to go there, but that's only because they were asking me to go to a different location from the one that I was hired at. Like, just to go to my own location, they expect me to be able to get there each time. So the fact that they're giving you incentive to show up to work every day by paying for part of your transportation is kind of mind-blowing.
1: Yeah, it's nice. It, like I said, it's about being not just a decent company, but being decent human beings to offer something to their employees like that. Um, I should probably even talk about like what it was the, like, the first couple of days when I landed in Japan. Because That's, uh, Yeah,
0: I would want to
2: ask you about just kind of your Tokyo experience to begin with anyways.
1: Because they really get you, like, uh, they, they make you hit the ground running. Like, they don't give you a day to, like, settle in. So, like, I flew in on the 29th, arrived on the 30th, no sleep on the plane. So I'm on the plane for about 15 hours, no sleep at all. And then we get on the bus to go to the uh, hotel where the jet program orientation takes place. And, like... All of us are tired, all of us are sleepy, and they're just filling us with so much information that we can't even comprehend because we're so freaking jet-lagged.
2: Nice. So, but, I mean, like, you must have comprehended something to properly do your job in the way that you're doing it now, though, right? Like, I imagine that there's got to be some kind of reprieve or something like that from the orientation.
1: Well... Well, on the 30th, it was like a first 30 minutes, but like what's the, that was, that orientation was about 30 minutes long and, yeah. uh, but they were like, saying like, these are the packets you need. This is the information you need. Like, and they just went on and on and on. And we're just sitting there being like, we just want to go to bed, please.
2: That sounds ridiculously stressful.
1: Yeah. And then on the first day of orientation, I, because of the jet lag, I wound up waking up at two in the morning and I could not get back to sleep. So, like, I was laying in the bed for th- for like three hours. And by the time, like, 530 rolled out, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to get up. I'm going to shower. I'm going to go to the convenient coast by, get myself a little uh, energy drink of sorts. And prepare for the morning breakfast. And then I had to put on my suit and then go through Mm. eight hours of JET program orientation. I can't talk about what went on in the orientation for privacy reasons, but it was a lot of information to digest during a time Mm. when you're still adjusting to your new surroundings. Nice. Um, I'd say the second day of orientation was a little bit better. But, uh, again, I feel like there was still a little bit of fatigue that I was dealing with. That a lot of other people were dealing with as well.
2: How long did the jet lag last for before you felt equalized?
1: I would say maybe a few days. I felt like... um, Third, I you know, we landed on Sunday. I think Thursday was the day that I finally start feeling equalized. Like I was wake I was falling asleep okay. I was waking up on my own okay. It took a couple of days, but once once the jet lag was out of my system, it felt good. Like I I felt refreshed. I do
0: right. have a question about the sleep though, because I know back when you were stateside, you were doing CBD, right? CBD.
1: The, well, the no, uh, no, I did the uh, chocolates. I did the uh, THC chocolates. Oh, that's right.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: So, so, so I was, so I was doing that and also melatonin.
0: Right. But so yeah. Okay. Is there an availability for it over there? Or
1: so. Cannabis, absolutely not. And melatonin is required is is not over the counter here in Japan. You need a prescription for melatonin. Really? Yeah. Having said that, a lot of my reasons for using cannabis and the melatonin was more related to anxiety. Exactly.
0: That's why they have prescriptions for it over here.
1: Right. But I was having trouble falling asleep, not because I was having trouble falling asleep. There are things that were going on in my life that made it difficult for me to fall asleep because I was so nervous about it, so anxious about it. And these are things that Ah, me now living in Japan are no longer a factor in my life. Ah. So So now... No
0: Japan is for relaxation.
1: Yes. Exactly. So like I have not like I still have a whole bottle of melatonin that I have not even opened
2: here. Do you um, do you have access to a gym?
1: Um there's a twenty-four hour one, but it's a lot more expensive than they are in America. But I walk around a lot. That's my exercise. I walk a lot. Well, I, I just meant
2: I just meant more for the fact that that like lifting weights and exercising is a replacement for anxiety, drugs and pharmaceuticals.
1: Right, 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 right. Um, you know, I Jordan. am contemplating you know joining a gym around here, but I need to know like I, I need to experience my work schedule a little bit more before I decide if and when I go. With that being said, again, my anxiety is practically gone.
0: Like, really? That's. Actually, kind of cool to hear, considering how drastic of a trip you've taken. You know, everything's completely different right now, and now you're more relaxed. So,
1: yeah. What do you I'll, think
0: that like? Do you you think this is the right choice?
1: Uh, yes, I, I would say that. You know, moving here to Japan, getting this job, going, getting accepted into the jet program, has done wonders for me both physically and mentally like i am not like as anxious as i was like my my anxiety level like back in america if it was a scale between 1 and 10 it was definitely between 7 and 8 in in america here it's it is practically a 1
2: wow. You had basically a month of free roaming to get yourself settled in and, and, you know, you were, you were living in a hotel at first before you had your apartment and, and all that. Yeah. So, so you had, you had a pretty good amount of time to actually have some fun in Japan, right?
1: Yeah. 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 I did.
2: Now, when you did that, cause I, it's, this is a, less of a question about what you did for fun. And more of a question of now that you've done that, now that you had that month of fun and now you're getting to work, are you now acclimated to the culture to where now you can just kind of feel like you can take your time doing all these other fun things that you had a month to do like later on down the
1: line? I would say yes. Like, yeah, yeah. I I would say, you know, because I based I used the month not to just have fun, but more to explore to get accustomed to my surroundings this way like i know like where everything is so like when the time comes when i want to experience certain things i can go and experience said things mm. so i spent a lot of my time like exploring the areas of like ikebukuro akihabara and shibuya and these mm-hmm. are places that i've been before but, like, now that I am living near here, near, like, this prime location where, like, everything that I like is just a stone's throw away, like, it's given me the opportunity to just see, all right, what's down this alleyway? What's down this street? What's the, mm-hmm. what's in this vicinity? And it gives me a good idea of, like, what I can do, where I can eat, and what I can do for fun.
2: Um. The way that Japanese school works is they are in school Monday through Saturday, correct?
1: Yes, but I only only have to work Monday through Friday. Really? Yeah, so by my contract, I can work no more than 40 hours a week, or technically 35 hours a week because of the lunch hour. Okay. So the way that my school schedule is set up, my classes are Monday through Friday. Even though on Wednesday, I don't have classes to teach that day.
2: Oh, wow. So you have weekends.
1: Yes, I have weekends. Now, I can choose to come in Monday, Tuesday, take Wednesday off, and then Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. But I feel like it's better uh, better time-wise for me to just do the regular Monday through Friday.
2: So then because you had that month to scout out and recon, as Derek said, everything that's around you what is it that you are going to use your weekends to do?
1: Um, you know, I might explore different areas of Tokyo. I was recommended greatly by my other teachers to use the first year, not to be traveling too outwards, but to just use the year to explore Tokyo because Tokyo is a huge city.
2: A a 200
1: mile city. Basically. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a literally a metropolis.
2: Yeah, it's, or, it's a... No, it's a megalopolis.
1: Yeah, megalopolis. <laughs> uh,
2: like,
0: Kind of like how Persona goes about letting you go around the cities. It's like it only lets you go around the major cities like Shibuya, etc. And then if you are familiar enough with everyone in the area there, then it lets you say, um, you can go up here. You can go over here. You can go over here. You can learn bits but learn the core bit first.
1: <laughs> exactly. So like going to like Akihabara, Shibuya, Ikebukuro, Asakusa, Toyosu, like these areas are the core areas to travel. And I think you, you to, knew the names. I <laughs> I'm going to like use that time to like at first focus on those areas before I go to other places in in Tokyo.
3: Okay. Right.
1: And, you know, it might be, like, I might find that maybe there's a show that's happening in some other part of Tokyo that's not in these other vicinities. I might use that time to, like, you know, get a ticket to the show, and then for the day, go to that part of Tokyo and see what's around and explore. All right,
2: this has nothing to do with the JET program or or anything in, in the... Well, kind of has to do with the area. Now, on your month off, I know that you went to, like, you said like the big major areas, but did you go to Nakano Broadway?
1: Nakano Broadway. Where is, uh, I'm probably saying no to this one, but where is Nakano yeah. Broadway?
2: Okay. So basically um, you take the the green, the green line, you know, the circle line. Mm-hmm. Uh, you I think you take that to the orange line and then the orange line will take you to Nakano and then you get off the train right at Nakano and there's a giant arcade that uh, not like not like a game arcade, like a shopping arcade. Okay. Uh, there's a there's a big shopping arcade that goes straight down, and right at the back of it is this big indoor mall called Nakano Broadway. And Nakano Broadway is filled with um, every single type of mandarake store, uh, every single used manga shop, and every single um, uh, like animation cell uh, store that you can possibly imagine. So uh, in my opinion, I had a better time walking around Nakano Broadway than I did in Akihabara. So that is one of like on one of your weekends, Evan, I highly recommend that you go check out Nakano Broadway. All right.
3: Um, I'm going to
2: make a note it's, of that. It, yeah, it's a it's a place where you can find all out of print manga. That, that's how I found two. That's how I found two entire volumes of, um, of Elf and Lead that I brought home with me. Uh I that's where I found all my animation cells in Japan. That's where I found all the classic out of print toys like uh like Mazinger Z and uh, basically anything go na that had an action figure, they had action figures there. Yeah. Uh, and of course they had Dojinji shops, like as you always as you always do in Japan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but but Nakano Broadway is just this big mall of people who are selling old stuff. And it's so great.
1: Alright, I'll keep that in mind. And that does bring me uh, to a big observation. That in Japan, especially here in Tokyo, there's still a really big mall culture here. Like, you yes. know how like, yes, in, America, yep. in America, malls are practically dead because of online shopping and all that. And while there well, is online shopping here in Japan, people still go out. People still go well, to the mall. Here in yeah, our, dude,
2: in you, you have to remember that everything that's going out here in America, they still uh, – Japan still has arcades. Japan ha- still has uh, comic book shops. Japan still has uh, malls. Japan still has movie theaters. So like yeah. all these things that you have to go out and do to like go pick up physical items, they still do it. Because you have to also also remember they're not a card culture. They're a cash culture. Yeah. You always have to walk around with cash because because some stores don't even take cards.
1: Yeah, and i said that a couple of cafes.
2: Yeah, so it's it's very much uh like this old world traditional conservative kind of kind of culture where where nothing is changing because it doesn't have to change. Like they, they enjoy what they have in physical media, right? Like in, yeah. and going places. Like they like going places. It's 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 really nice. Like I dude, uh, we uh, we went to the mall so many times when we were in Japan. It was awesome. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the one that I like to frequent is I have you ever been to Sunshine City?
2: No, but I've heard of it. So Sunshine Sounds City, really familiar. Yeah.
1: Sunshine City is in Ikebukuro. And Ikebukuro is actually kind of becoming like the cool anime place. Where like Akihabara is like is like traditional anime place. Uh, it's Ikebukuro, dirty, the dirty
2: anime place. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the dirty anime place. Uh, Ikebukuro is kind of becoming the cool spot for anime. Like yeah. where like where, like Akihabara is like the traditional otaku spot. Uh yep. Ikebukuro is like the Michael B Jordan of anime stuff.
2: So uh you know and and now that I, you mentioned um Sunshine City, I think the reason why I think the reason why uh, both Jonathan and I know that name is because of uh, Tokyo Eye <laughs> from the NHK. I think <laughs> yeah, that's what it, I think it was I think it was on Tokyo Eye.
3: Yeah.
1: So, like, so, Sunshine City has, like, three, actually, more, like, four floors of stores, restaurants. Um,
2: is that is that also where they have the One Piece uh, place?
1: Yep, second floor is the One Piece yeah. place. They also have the Crayon Shin Chan uh, movie store. They have the Pokémon Center there.
2: Okay, yeah. And, dude, oh, I lo- dude, I love the Pokémon Center. Like, they, oh, man.
1: In I always they're all into that Pokemon Center. You feel like you're at an actual Pokemon Center in the game when you go to these Pokemon Centers in Japan.
2: Oh, I Aww. do have to I do have to ask you about the Nintendo Shop as well, because because there was uh there was Splatoon stuff there, right?
1: Yeah. So uh, the one in the Shibuya, so there's actually a Pokemon Center there in Shibuya, across from the yeah. the Nintendo Shop. They had Splatoon yeah. stuff. They had Animal Crossing. They had every Nintendo property you could think of
2: man, that'd be so cool.
1: Yeah. And then right across from there was the Capcom store.
2: Oh, of course. Well, the, the big, the, the Capcom store that I was at when I was in, uh, Akihabara was in the, um, Kotobukiya store. Kotobukiya. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Kotobukiya. And, and they, and there was a cat, there was a Capcom part of Kotobukiya because they had monster Hunter, uh, four going on at this, at that time. It was either Monster Hunter 4 or Monster Hunter Generations, but that's where I got all my Monster Hunter stuff, was, was from the, the little Monster Hunter and in, in Bukia.
1: Okay. That's very nice. Um, there's a Konami shop, which really took me by surprise. And there's a Koei Tecmo shop, which also took me by surprise.
2: Oh, cool.
1: So, like, the Koei Tecmo one had a lot of stuff involving, like, Dead or Alive and Neo and a couple of their Oh, other that's
2: cool. That's cool.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and then like, they, they also... have a whole store supporting just that brand, though? And they can yeah. actually, like, keep it running? Yeah. So, I mean... Don't, I have... don't
1: underestimate video game fans in Japan, dude.
3: It's true.
0: No, no, so I'm curious. It's, like, on a defunct system. So do they also help support with, like, the old systems and help them with, like, Super Famicoms or whatnot?
1: Um, not these stores in particular, but it, there are so many shops in Akihabara where you can buy old Famicom games, Super Famicom games, old systems, old consoles, Sega CD. Yeah, parts. You, you can buy parts to oh. fix old systems. It, they, it, it's it's kind of great to see that there there is a support system for the old consoles here in Japan, whereas like. That's gone the way of the dodo in America. Like, I remember as a yeah. kid going to Funkoland you know,
0: and buying a If you don't have the system, then uh, thanks. Come back when you buy more shit for me.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, Jonathan and I just got back from uh, Retro World Expo in Connecticut, and and they pretty much had everything that you'd possibly be looking for there as far as old systems and stuff. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was it was it's really so great. great. It is it is just a good time. Like, even if you don't like old retro stuff, it's just a good place to be.
1: Uh, absolutely. Uh, because it's a part of the gaming culture that really doesn't get the love and respect that. So we give it love and respect, but I feel like the people who created it years ago are giving it the tender love and care that it rightfully deserves.
2: Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's 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 all about you know the next product that they can sell you. Where, uh, well, I mean, even even in Japan with uh with a store like Super Potato going around, you know, it was it was really funny because I asked them like when I went and into the Super T- Potato and I was looking around the PlayStation games. Uh, first, first off, um, here in America, if you want to buy a, a copy of Buster Groove. Uh, which is one of the best rhythm games you could ever play. Uh, if you want to buy a copy of Buster Groove, it's like hundreds of dollars because they're so rare because because rhythm games just weren't a thing here. I went to Super Potato in Japan and I bought a copy that I can't play because it's Japanese, but I bought a copy for $5. And it was just like, wow, Buster Groove for $5. This would cost me a couple hundred bucks in America. So it was fun. But then I uh, I went up to the front of the store and I asked them if they had Variable Geo 2 because Variable Geo 2 is an awesome fighting game. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the guy looked at me. He was confused. And then he turned to the woman next to him and asked her. Asked her and she was just like, ah, I do know about Variable Geo 2. And she walks over to this display case. And it's behind a glass display case for $300. And I was just like, oh, Thank you. I will just look at it. <laughs> Arigato. <laughs> <You know. laughs> but, well, but you know, here's the Because right, like f- fighting games are, are treated totally differently in Japan than they are here, right? Yeah. So
1: they're put on a very big pedestal here in Japan compared to in
2: America. Yeah. I mean, you can. Got- I mean, you can still go to the arcade and play them. Yeah. So I
1: mean, I mean, there's the popularity of Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat in America, but that's it. Like you don't see that same amount of love for stuff like Dead or Alive or King of Fighters.
2: Right. Well, and and we we don't have the we don't have the arcade cabinets where people can come and challenge you while you're playing.
0: Right, exactly. I, mean, I guess the American equivalent would be Call of Duty on Xbox Live. <laughs> <laughs>
2: kind of, yeah, right?
1: Yeah. Kind of.
0: Yeah. I mean, th- there's no like there's no American equivalent that you can actually put to that aside from, you know, back in the day we all did Nazi zombies. I guess I'm just aging ourselves right here right now.
2: But <laughs> it's it's really cool. See, that's that's like one of the things that they talk about when they talk about culture shock is um is you know being able to acclimate to a culture and understand what's rude and what isn't rude, but also their cultural ticks and yeah. what what they like and what they don't like, and it's just fun. That that's like the fun part of culture shock to explore, is is exploring what is and is not relevant to their culture, and um, like things like having a, a, a full cash culture is is so unique, you know, to to people like us because everything is on our put on our to our card and we just pay for it later, and then um, and and the fact that you go you walk. Everywhere, Mm -hmm. barely anybody drives in Japan. You walk everywhere, and because everything is so accessible by the train, Um, and and I love walking. Like I'm a walking fella. I I, I'd walk everywhere,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: and and so um, so walking is great, you know. And and but having you know that access to the subway everywhere you go, and and everything is so close to the subway, you know, it's it's great. Yeah, I, I I I like that aspect of culture shock. But then there's the stuff where it's, like, you, you it, that's confusing, and you accidentally be rude to somebody, and then you offend somebody, and you're like, oh, no, this dang shame culture, what the heck?
3: Oh, yeah. You know? So let me
1: give you a good example. So, um, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I was on a date, a second date with this person that I've been going back and forth with, and we were, and I was talking, and, you know, like, as as people who know me, I tend to use my hands when I talk. And at this particular time, I was holding the chopsticks and I did not realize Uh, that, you know, talking with chopsticks and like pointing with chopsticks, I did not realize was considered rude. And she had to explain that to me. So like every time I had to like catch myself and like as I was talking, put the chopsticks down so I wasn't being rude to her.
2: That's really interesting. How about that, huh? Yeah. But I just love the American like aspect of that, though, where like you just act like an American, you know, well, and then. But but that's just it is is we do get a pass to some degree because they know we're foreigners. Right. Like w- we won't get written off right away just because just be, just because we're we're in their culture and we they understand that we're not from that culture. And they'll be like the, like the way that she explained to you. Oh, just so you know, this is rude. And you're like, oh, OK. Let me fix that. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like, it wasn't just like, she was like, okay, date's over. See you later. You know, you were, you were rude. Um, but but there are there are times where that will happen in, in especially Asian cultures.
1: Yeah. And um, I want to absolutely do my best to make sure that I am, you know, not rude. Like, it, ta- it will take me a couple of times for me to be reminded of the proper etiquette. But once it's hammered in, like, I hope that you know, I'm able to present myself in a much better light to not just yeah. this person, not, not not just the person I was on a date with, but with everybody in general.
2: Yeah, right, yeah, everybody in the culture. Did I ever, uh, did I, I, I ever tell you? T-
0: I would say don't be too worried about the kids laughing, because kids laugh about anything that's, that's true different from what they're used to. Yes. So, you know, um, keep the comments with the Japanese and yeah don't worry about those kids
2: <laughs> yeah yeah did I ever tell you uh, the story of, of uh, me coming home from Osaka and I, I totally ruined this guy's maybe year like uh, I don't know I don't I don't, I don't I don't know where he is now I don't know what he's doing but I think about it quite often and I love telling the story how I just ruined <laughs> this guy's whole day Okay, um, story. so uh, so I was going home. Like I was on my way to the airport and so was he. Uh, and so uh, but I bought a bus ticket that was for my to trip and my from trip. So I'm packing up my suitcase. I already have my ticket. And um, and then I go back to stand in line to wait for the bus to take off. And the guy looks at me and, and, and l- just let it be known that I got up at four o'clock in the morning. It, by the time I got to this bus, it was it was about five o'clock. Um and the guy and in broken English he says, Oh, do you already have a ticket? And I look at him, and then I turn to my friend Ian and I say, What did he say? <laughs> <laughs> and uh and and Ian just looks at me and smiles and laughs, and he just said, He just said to you in English. <laughs> Do you have a ticket? And I look at I look back at the guy and I say, "I am so sorry, sir. Like I, it is so early in the morning. I, please forgive me." Uh, and I probably gave him a sumimasen, like just to be like, "Oh my gosh!" Like this, I, 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 I was because when you're in Japan, you're not expecting somebody to speak English to you. Your your brain is already set to I'm go, I'm going to listen to Japanese. Yeah so well, my brain so my brain automatically heard what he said in english as if he was talking japanese and i was like my buddy ian would understand it better but then i go back and stand in line totally uh, embarrassed but this guy had a way worse day than i did because he like walked off And was like pretending to go to the bathroom for like a half hour and like would walk away and like see me still standing in line and then walk away again and like that's how shame culture works over there like i like i should have been the one ashamed but he but because like he in his mind he was just like, I spoke English so poorly to... Them. He will probably never speak English again in his entire life because of what I did to that
1: man that day. Exactly. I, like, that's why <laughs> very, I am so careful with my students because yeah. I know they're just trying their best. Yeah, I know.
2: <laughs> so so this poor Japanese businessman, Like, I, I, I'll never see him again in my life, but I will remember him for, till, the, till the day I die. <laughs> <laughs> you will call him to your deathbed to ask for forgiveness <laughs> i will once again i will i will give him a sumimasen gomen nasai yeah, na sai. yeah uh, ojisan yeah god jesus won't be the first people you see
1: it'll be that japanese businessman by
3: your bedside that you will see <laughs>
2: that's right <laughs> so um, so that's that's my that's my that's my blatant example of shame culture and and culture shock uh, even though that was my second or third time being to japan <laughs> yeah <laughs> Can I ask um, one thing that if uh, we have time for like you, you, what you've heard from other people who have experienced this longer than you have yeah. uh, as they were giving you ideas to travel around, is there anything that they ever told you say, do not go here either a it is not safe or B foreigners just don't go there.
1: there That's a good a question. Couple, there are a couple of parts in the Shinjuku area where I'm actually teaching uh, especially the Kabukicho area, and it's not yep. because of the yakuza or anything like that. It's because that there are some like people who work at certain stores who will literally drag you into the bar and force you to buy things at the yeah, bar.
2: which which is illegal in Japan, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, it's illegal to do that, but they still do it anyway.
0: Yeah, they do it to foreigners. Yeah. Are not
2: forcing you, (laughs) yeah, exactly. No, so, so in Japan, there is a loophole to every single law, yep. And, and so, and even though, even though pulling somebody into your establishment is illegal, they still do it anyway because of all these loopholes in the law. In the same way, like, um, when you look at the uh, the pachinko parlors, Mm -hmm. so gambling, gambling is totally illegal in Japan. But they can play pachinko, and it's just like, oh yeah, you just get silver balls. But there just so happens to be establishment right across the street from the pachinko parlor that will exchange those metal balls for money. See, it's not gambling. We just are. Ex- we just want your pachinko balls. It's like, wow, that's that's your really company. weird. Um, yeah,
3: I mean, I
1: mean, there is a there is a pachinko parlor right down the street from my apartment, correct. and oh yeah. And it's like, why? Why? Like, yeah. It's such, it's, it's one of the worst, it's, in my opinion, pachinko is the worst thing about Japanese culture. Je- it's so loud. Loud. it's, it's loud, so loud. It's loud. It's annoying. <laughs> and It's pointless.
2: And, and like, then you find oh, the f- and then you find the Fist of the North Star one, and you're like, ah, okay, I'll play.
1: And that's, that's <laughs> the other thing too, they use anime characters to like promote the parlors, and you yeah. see them, and you're like, oh, it's an anime shop. And you go <laughs> in and it's like, oh, it's fucking Pachinko again. Yeah. God damn it.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> it's so true. Uh, um what well, uh, what was the other big loophole? There's there's gambling loophole, and then there's a there's another loophole that's I, I really know, I, big in Japan.
1: I know, I know the loophole you're talking about. I don't know if we want to go down this path. Oh, <laughs> you're
2: right. Yeah, no, no, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, let's not talk about that.
1: Um, let maybe let's maybe save that for a future episode. Sure. <laughs> um, um, and then,
0: uh, uh, I'm like, Phil needs to age a bit you go to that,
2: um, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the but the other thing, the other thing that I experienced, which I don't know if you've experienced, yet Evan, is um, I mean, I'm sure if you went to Akihabara and, uh, and went to like some of the arcades and stuff, mm. that uh, all all of the establishments are still you're still allowed to smoke inside of them.
1: Quite a few of them are, yes.
2: But, yeah, because um, because Japan has a huge smoking culture for some reason still.
1: Yeah, well, because so. cigarettes are cheap there. Like, it's like 300 yen for a package. Yeah, so but, but that doesn't mean
2: they're good for you. I know, <laughs> I, know I
1: know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Hold on,
0: hold on. How much is 300 yen? Right now, it's about $2.15. <laughs> <laughs> $2. I broke
3: down. I broke with that. <laughs>
2: Derek would be able to build a fort out of all of his cardboard, uh, cardboard cartons of cigarettes uh, that he would buy. Um, But, but like, that was my biggest thing, right. Is when I was there and I was having a good time and I went and played, played some Tekken and I played some metal slug. I just had to leave because like I, it was just, it was filled with cigarette smoke. Um, and
0: I I can, I, I can appreciate that because I've tried to go into a hookah lounge in Boston with a um a russian who i used to work with who apparently runs a bunch of hookah lounges in boston but yeah um the fact that you have all of the smoke like in the room it ends up like cooking you and you get nauseous and yeah, just right yeah. Yeah.
1: So maybe this changed after COVID and everything, but like those arcades that you're talking about, so there are still smoking plates there's still like smoking in them, but they're now designated smoking. You have to go into a room to smoke.
2: Oh, interesting. Yeah, no, that wasn't smoke at the you can't
1: smoke at the arcade machine.
2: Oh yeah, that's different. Because because when I was in J- when I was in Japan and I was playing Tekken, the dude sitting right next to me at the other Tekken machine was like had his ashtray and his lit cigarette sitting on his on his game thing, and he would and he would puff from it as he was playing Tekken.
1: Yeah, you can't do that anymore. You, you have to, oh, if you want to okay. take a smoke at the ones that I've been to? You have to go all the way in the back. Into my the glass my case where yeah. you smoke. Yeah. And you're just covered in all the smoke.
2: My, my nice my nice sweatshirt and jeans are safe now, going to Japan arcades. Yes. So that was actually, that was a change from COVID uh, in uh, casinos as well. Like, I've been to a couple casinos in that time, and uh, they used to have, like, you know, the old people with the oxygen tanks and <laughs> smoking a cigarette at the same time, which seems highly <laughs> flammable. Um, <laughs> but... Now they have smoking rooms in the same way. There's like a glass box that you walk into and you and you hot box each other. (laughs) But there's no there's no smoking at the um, at any tables or any um, any slot machines or anything like that. So, you know, you're free to play play not video games. Yeah. So, you know, the
1: smoking culture still exists. It's just, you have to go to a place. There's like, even outdoor smoking is not allowed. But there's like, in the middle of Ikebukuro, uh, right near the train station, there's like a boxed out area where people can
3: smoke. Yeah, that's
2: what what it was like when I went to the aquarium in uh, Okinawa. Like uh, Because the aquarium in Okinawa is also in a big cultural park. Uh, it's beautiful. If you ever have a chance to go there, go. Do it. It's amazing. It's awesome. But they but there were just sm- there were little smoking boxes everywhere uh, for uh, for that. So. Yeah. It was very cool. I yeah. feel like the day that we go and we make our wicked anime documentary of Wicked Anime Travels Japan, we have to have a segment in it where Derek <laughs> where Derek rates all of the smoking <laughs> yeah, boxes. Yeah, the
0: smoking boxes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I will take it. I will be completely on point. And <laughs> also, we have to go to every single McDonald's because the Japanese <laughs> McDonald's menu honestly looks amazing.
1: I will say this about McDonald's. They do have the best burgers in Japan. That's not true. It's but all the same no. stuff. <laughs> no, 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 dude. It's,
2: it's a it's, par... It's, it, it's... It's Paranomia.
1: <laughs> like compare
2: Or Paragolia.
1: Comparing the Mossburgers and the the um, the Lactarias, like McDonald's is like the best in both rice,
3: taste. Japanese and McDonald's. Oh. don't want to go into like kale
0: and vegetarian shit, and Japanese <laughs> McDonald just launches what they think American meat-based meals are.
2: Yeah, it, 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 it would be pretty hard to find burger. an actual burger, I would imagine.
1: In American McDonald's, yes. Uh, it'd be hard to actually find real meat in those burgers.
2: Yeah, no, no, I, I mean, in Japan as a whole, like, it would be hard to find a burger. Like, well, no, like. no, uh, no, like no. You,
0: no um, it, India loves them, so, um, just take them from India. <laughs> just tell them they're going to a good. <laughs> a
1: good bar the <laughs> but the thing about um, like, like, so, like, with American McDonald's, like, I remember having to, like, eat, like, three double cheeseburgers and a large fry yeah. and a large drink in order to feel some sort of fullness. But in Japanese McDonald's, I feel full just from a cheeseburger and a medium fry. Yeah.
3: Hmm.
1: Yeah, well, that's because you eat too much.
2: <laughs>
1: I mean, I don't I, I feel like it's because like, number one, there's chemicals in the American McDonald's that make you still feel hungry after eating McDonald's that you can't put in Japanese food, outlawed Yeah, that's, that's true Yeah. And then, number two I feel uh, like you know when you are full a lot quicker here compared to in America yep.
2: I don't know. I, I could still great. house I could still house a bunch of Japanese food.
1: And it they would just
2: look at me like, you, like I'm some freak.
1: You're still hungrier than you are. It's, <laughs> it's so like going back to like the health aspect, like walking around, like eating more properly, eating proper portions, like goes well, back, like, to, to, going back food, to the like actual real food. <laughs> Well, what I'm trying to say is, like, on the day that I had to to give my speech, so I had to wear my suit. So, um, the first time I wore my suit was during the orientation at the JET program. And I was having trouble, like, buttoning the first button of the jacket of my suit. And then a month goes by, and I put on my suit for the first time and i'm able to button up the first two buttons no problem on my suit
2: ah do you know how much you've lost since you've been there
1: i don't i haven't bought a skill yet but it's enough where where my date on my honor second date actually commented on on my weight she asked it
2: like, oh nice if I, I,
1: if I had lost weight and that's I, great and i notice in my in my mirror in my bathroom like my belly is practically gone nice that's it's great really, yeah I, I, I don't have a six pack or anything like that but just the the roundness of my belly well is and and and
2: and that's another thing too because there, there's like the the science and psychology behind beside or behind um presenting portions like it's the same thing with like italians right like you if you go to italy they just shove all this food in your face mm-hmm. um it's it's not that we eat too much like we do we eat way too much but it's not that we eat too much, but it's that we're given portions and we feel like we have to finish portions. So in Japan, the portions are just smaller and so you're actually able to finish them, right? Right. You know, it's so it's, it's the psychology behind portioning in general. If we just if we serve smaller portions, then we would feel, feel more satisfied.
1: Mm, exactly. Interesting. But then there's the problem. They'll be serving the small portions in America, but then they'd be jacking up the price again.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, they're doing that anyway, right now. <laughs> Gordon <laughs> yeah, Ramsay <yeah>. does that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, but that's the thing too. Like everything's affordable here. Like I can, like I can go out to eat practically every day, and it, it's dude pretty cheap.
2: That's that's one of the funniest myths about Japan. Everybody's like, it's so expensive, it's so expensive to live in Japan. It's like, no, it's not actually. No, no, it's no, it's, no. it's it's not at all.
1: The most expensive no. thing about Japan, Japan is getting to Japan.
3: Hey, hey. Yes, yeah, yeah. Once yeah, you're, yeah, there. you're there <laughs> Once <laughs> Yo, you're in you're Japan recoing?
1: everything uh, is affordable. I've had to explain this to so many people. Yes, it's expensive to come to Japan, but once you're settled in the sky's the limit for you
2: yeah it's great it's it's so good
1: yeah even more so if you have an american credit card so like i've been buying everything (laughs) using my american credit card when it's a when i'm able to and then what it does is it then converts it to american dollars and it slices the price in half
2: (laughs) well uh but they also do hit you with that foreign transaction fee
1: i haven't gotten that yet actually
2: are you using your credit card or your debit card? Credit card. Okay. I, 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 sorry. I'm Honestly, I'm just looking it up. Uh, let's see. Um, no foreign transaction fees. Car, cards with no annual fees. Uh, there are no additional fees when you use your debit card abroad. Any transactions made in foreign currency or that of MasterCard classifies as cross-border transactions. But that's debit cards, not a... I don't know. I don't. I don't care enough about this to have this part of our conversation <laughs> yeah. anymore. Well, it's, so. it's important to know when people are traveling. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like all Capital One credit cards, Quick, the Quicksilver One lets international travelers spend freely with no foreign transaction fees. the the uh, The annual fee for tra- Capital One uh, Quicksilver One is so okay. So, so Capital One credit cards, you pay an annual fee for it, so you don't get foreign transaction fees. interesting (laughs) Duck a Muck in Japan is brought to you by (laughs) Bank of America
1: and or Capital One
2: we don't know we don't know who wins yet we don't care
1: Uh, maybe we should uh, maybe we should stop here for now maybe we can talk more about Japan experiences on a future episode
2: Oh man, there's plenty of things that we still haven't even talked about. So, I mean, if we want to keep, uh, if you, if we want to stop here, we can keep going later again and we have, we can just keep asking questions. Cause I mean, we didn't even, we haven't even talked about like, like what you do at school, what classes look like, uh, if you, if you like any, stu- if there's any students that are cool or, you know, and I mean, and these are things that will obviously continue as you keep going. Like, oh, this student was really cool. I really like it. I really like exactly. it. I'll, I'll call him this for now just to, for privacy's sake. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Have you, the- have you, yeah. <laughs> have you seen a, a student run with toast in their mouth does anybody look like they're they're a main character of an anime is there yeah, any genevios there, in your class yeah, who sits in, who sits in the
0: back of the back uh seat uh, of the classroom yeah so
2: all this and more
1: hallway with the toast in their mouth think to yourself where your <laughs> uh, maybe I'll, I'll say this like nothing about toast in mouth but toast is huge in Japan. Oh dude dude, bread
2: is the worst in Japan. They they do not understand how to bake bread in Japan. I, I it's not that
1: they it, don't know how to bake it, it's they don't know how to slice it properly.
2: So uh <laughs> so my buddy so my buddy Chester Busby, uh, who runs the art stream that I that I do every Thursday, uh he, he's been living in Japan for over thirty years. And and that's that's exactly what he what he's like, he's just like I've just There's just no bread here or they he's just like I they make like baked goods and they make bread, but they don't make it well. He's like, that's one thing that Japan still has yet to nail down is how to
1: make bread and. (laughs) Specifically uh, bread that lasts more than four days because you can't get an entire loaf of bread in four days.
2: Yeah, well, and and not only that, but, like, yeah. even if you want to simply make something like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, like, their peanut butter and their jelly is also really weird. So it's just like, gosh, like, how are we,
1: how are we getting by? <laughs> yeah. I, um, Can't even make I, peanut butter and jelly. I actually was able to find some good peanut butter and jelly in Japan. Joe. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I'm good on that set. But let's save that for a future episode. We could talk more about food. We could talk more about school culture. We could talk more about the thing that we avoided talking about when it comes to certain legal things <laughs> in, in a future episode. Um, All of them. Now that, now, that does come to probably for you listeners. Like, when we are going to record, when episodes of Duck and Muck in Japan will come out. Podcast episodes of Duckamuck Muck in Japan will come out And be recorded basically whenever I feel like it. And they'll be posted whenever I feel like it. Because with me living in Japan, there's a lot that's going on in my life with my job that takes up a huge portion of my life now. And I don't know when I will have the time to just sit down and record with everybody like this. So, episodes are going to be coming out here and there. Whenever, wherever, at no set time.
2: Yeah, it's like a special mini series.
1: Possibly, yeah, yeah. Something along those lines. Yep. I can't I was really, here. I really can't say like when I could regularly record a show. I can only say that I can only record as much as I can when I can. And hopefully you'll just stick around and wait for the next episode when it comes. Because I don't even know when episode two of Dekka Japan will ever come out. It's like
0: a rainbow. Don't expect it, but once you find it, once it comes out, it'll be great.
2: Well, and the, the other thing is, too, <laughs> is... is Do an episode when something significant happens, because if we want to do if we do an episode and nothing's happening, it's going to be an episode of like, oh, we already talked about this and uh, well, nothing, no, not no real updates because there's no really anything exciting. But if like there's a story to tell, let's tell stories, you know, let's hear stories. You know, I do want to hear stu- about, I do want to hear uh, stories about how, like students that you really connect with and students that really like you and students that talk to you. And, you know, because the students, stories. Yeah, success stories and like the the, the relationship well, that you have between teacher and student and people, uh, students that actually care about what's going on. Like those stories are interesting because because then it also tells us how you're doing over there.
1: Right. I will. I will say this. There are a couple of events that are coming up at the school events that I have been very eager to experience ever since I've seen them in anime and in drama that are happening ah. in the next few weeks.
2: Culture anime, festival.
1: Yeah. I, they want to do episodes focused on that. Nice. So, yeah, it sounds awesome.
0: that you added the, uh, the icebreaker to your routine, like Obviously, there's this whole like plan that your school has set in place, but you're able to put your actual own like strategy onto that.
1: And
2: you should uh, start every episode uh, of Duckamuck with your warm up questions with us and see how we can answer them.
1: (laughs) My warm up questions or Derek's warm up questions? (laughs) Whoever. (laughs) All right. That wraps up this episode, this premiere episode of Duck Amok in Japan. Uh, please keep on following the website, b3crew.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at KingBabyDuckESH. Um, AFLM, where can people find you? Yeah.
2: Well, if you want to come and find me, you can find me at AFLM underscore art on everywhere Facebook, yeah, Facebook, Twitter, X, Instagram, uh, and then, of course, you can find me at solarian sun.com where you can read my webcomic. We actually, I actually just posted it up to page 265 for free if you want to go take a look at that and read it. Uh, or if you want to subscribe and become a member and read some good fantasy comic, what if Tolkien wrote Thundercats and then set it in the Wild West? Uh, well, I am up to volume four, uh, aka page 617 of, of Solarian Sun. So we're, we're moving. We're we're hoofing it. Yeah,
1: you're doing yeah. a good job with that.
2: Thanks.
1: Hey, right, John Star.
2: You can find me uh, on Instagram. I am the Line Block on Instagram. Uh, no new PBs tonight during the recording, but uh, hopefully there will be some in the future as we record. Uh, and otherwise, you'll find me at the gym bulking up. I have some weight to lose myself, so. That's my story. All right. Ed Derek. And you can definitely
0: find me on one random page of ALFM's manga. I have taken up one pixel of his work. And I will not tell him which pixel I've taken up. But mm, I have mm-hmm. in it. And I'm literally one black pixel in one page of all of your
2: work. Man, that's a lot of pixels.
1: Yeah. Never find me.
2: (laughs) I'd have to do the math on that one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you once again for joining me here on the premiere episode. And um, hopefully, listeners, uh, I just realized I have not come out with a good outro. (laughs) What? I'm no longer in Boston, so I can't do the you-don't-have-to-be-from-boston-to-be-a-bastard-but-it-sure-helps sort of thing,
0: so... long, farewell, of but... <laughs> bye. It,
2: but isn't it not more true now that you don't have to be from Boston to be a bastard? Because you're not in Boston anymore. So you're proving your slogan.
1: Yes, maybe. You I... are kicked off from Boston. Okay, maybe then we'll try that. So, until next time, this is your King Baby Duck.
2: AFLM. Johnstar.
1: Elite 4 character. And proving once and for all that you do not have to be from
2: Boston to be a bastard. Oh, but it's just. helps. Power. helps. Oof, that was rough.
1: <laughs> wow, I there really We'll work on it. We'll work on it. That's we'll all right.
2: I, I, I took I took command and just went with it. I, I, I led that charge, <laughs> whether people were following me or not.
1: All right. And listeners, <laughs> you'll hear us again, wherever, whenever. Three,
0: two, one. But it sure... No. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
1: I drop. Okay. <laughs> hey, bye hey, bye. Bye <laughs> bye.